We want to uh, welcome our Benton Heights campus. Uh, they're joining us this weekend by video. I had a had the uh, fun opportunity a couple weeks ago to be out at the Benton Heights campus, and it was really awesome. So uh, hopefully the Benton Heights campus is really uh, just hooping and hollering and really excited uh, about what God's up to. I wish all of you could uh, to go out and I encourage you occasionally to maybe to go check out what God's up to. It was really cool, um, and uh, you really enjoyed being with them. Well, this weekend we wrap up uh, our last, this is the last weekend that we're going to be talking about hang-ups. Hang-ups are things that uh, we've been talking about that really get in the way of our faith, that get in our way of connecting with God. They're hang-ups like, uh, is the Bible trustworthy? For some, that's really a hang-up. Can I really trust God's Word? And so that keeps people from connecting with God or connecting with Christ. Another hang-up that we talked about a couple weeks ago was the hang-up of suffering and evil in our world. You know, what, what about that? Can, uh, can, a, can there be a good God in the midst of some of that that goes on in our world? And then last week, we talked about hypocrites. We've all heard that uh, when someone said, well, you know, why would I want to be a follower of Jesus? Look at all those hypocrites in the world. And so for some, that's really a, a big hang-up. And this week, we finish up this series as we talk about uh, the hang-up of, you know what, I'm a good person. Do I really need Jesus? That can get in the way of us connecting with God because we think, you know what, I, I really don't need all that because I'm a good person. And so if I'm a good person, do I really need Jesus? I don't know if you heard this story. Uh, there was a, uh, a, a teacher that was given the task of a, in a Sunday school class. He, he was teaching six-year-olds. And he was given the task of, uh, of, with this group of six-year-olds of, 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 of helping them understand what someone had to do to get to heaven. And so he thought a good way to get started in the class was just to kind of see kind of where they were and what they believed already and kind of what, you know, kind of uh, where they were on that, what they believed about that subject. And so he thought he would get started by asking them a couple questions about that. So he asked them this question. So if I sold my house, sold my car, had a big garage sale, sold really everything I have, and, and if I gave it to the church, all that money in the church, would I go to heaven? And the six-year-olds, well, no, was their answer. Okay. So he, he asked him another question. He said, okay, well, what if I clean the church like every day? Like I kept it clean and tidy and I mowed the grass and, and anything the church needed. I just, I did whatever work the church needed and I, I kept it looking really nice. Uh, then would I go to heaven? And the kids were like, no, again, you know, the answer, you know, that's not going to get you into heaven either. And so he said, okay, well, what if, I, what if I give candy to children? What if I love my wife? What if I'm, I'm really nice to small animals <laughs> all the time? Would that get me into heaven? And again, in unison, the kids are like, no, that wouldn't get you into heaven. And so finally, he asks this final question. He says, well, okay, well, what can I do or, or, or how can I get to heaven? And the, this boy stands up in the back and he says, well, first, got to be dead. Okay, so, so that's a pretty good assumption to start with um, on how to get to heaven. Uh, and so with that basic assumption in mind, unless the Lord comes back, uh, of you got to be dead, what are the other assumptions that we kind of have about how to get to heaven? I mean, again, I'm a good person, so if I'm a good person, do I really need Jesus? Can I, how can I connect with, or can I get connected with God, and, and what, what do I need to, to do that? 
if I'm a good person. Andy Standingly wrote a little booklet on this subject that was real helpful this week as I was preparing. It's called, How Good is Good Enough? And that's where I got that kind of joke at the beginning. So here's the assumption that a lot of people have. Good people go to heaven. Now that's a, I mean, that's kind of a universal assumption that good people go to heaven. And there's a lot of people, even though there's really nothing that can really, you can do to kind of test that theory, <laughs> um, this idea that, that good people get to heaven. I mean, it really makes a lot of sense. And so there are a lot of people in our world that live with this idea, this assumption, first, got to be dead, but second, that in order to get to heaven, all you got to do is to be a good person. So here's how the kind of the logic of that flows. Uh, there's a good God out there somewhere. Um, who lives in a good place reserved for good people. And this God goes by a lot of different names. He's behind all the major world religions. Uh, And therefore, all the major and even some of the minor religions provide a legitimate path to God and therefore heaven. Again, this is kind of the the basic idea that a lot of people in our world, and maybe you as you came tonight or this weekend, that that's kind of the the idea. Uh, And so the criteria, criteria for making it to this good place ran by this good God is that you are good. And every religion has kind of a little bit different way of how they might define what good looks like. And so when you think about, again, this idea, it's this good place ran by a good God, and all you got to do to get in is to be good enough. Now, that's a pretty fair summary of what a lot of people And maybe you, as you came this weekend, of what we believe about connecting with God and connecting uh, in an eternal way uh, in the life to come. So it's a popular idea. And so the question I throw out to us, is it right and is it true? Now, let me just kind of throw this out as we kind of think about that, that good enough might not be good enough. So that in mind, let's kind of look and see what does God's word say. And there's actually Jesus, who, who is a great teacher, he had some things to say about this subject, is good enough, good enough. And there was this guy that comes to him, and if you have your Bible, I encourage you to turn with me to Mark the 10th chapter. Uh, in this Mark the 10th chapter, the story, uh, um, there's this story of this guy, and actually this story is found in three uh, of the four Gospels. And so that really tells us that it's an important story, that, that God makes sure that it's in three of the four. It's in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Uh, and so you kind of see it from a little different perspective. So this guy comes to Jesus, and this guy is, is a card-carrying member of good people, get to go to this good place, ran by a good God. He's a card-carrying member of that club, Okay. And he comes to Jesus and he asks this question in verse 17. He says, and as he was setting out on his journey, so this guy was, uh, Jesus was going somewhere, and it says, as Jesus was setting out on his journey, a man ran up and knelt before him and asked him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Now, basically what he's saying is, you know what, I, I, I'm, I'm a pretty good guy and there's some 
things that we notice about this good guy. If you look at the, all the, the, the version of this story in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and you kind of put all the kind of the facts from the different angles of the story together, we know that it's called actually, uh, we kind of know this if you kind of study the Bible a bit, this story is called the story of the rich young ruler. And so he's a rich guy, he's a young guy, he's a ruler guy, and he's got some things going for him. And so this rich young ruler, this good guy, comes up to Jesus and I want you to notice in, in this first verse, it says that he, that he kneels before him. He runs up, real excited, kneels before Christ. And so he, he, he's showing him respect. He's showing him that, you know, to Jesus, this is a guy that I'm looking to for answers. He, he, he shows deference to him. And he, he, he wants an answer to this question that's been plaguing him. What do I need to do to, to inherit eternal life? How good do I need to be in order to get in the gate? In order to get into heaven, in order to connect with God, how good is good enough? And so let me just kind of throw out what he really is talking about is he was looking at this whole kind of issue of connecting with God, eternal life, of, uh, uh, and all of that. He was looking at it from the, from the angle of, of what do I need to do. He was looking at it from the angle of works. What do I need to do? How can I be good enough? Looking at it from the angle of works and not grace. We'll talk about that more later. And that really, just in a nutshell, when you look at, at the, all the world religions and kind of the, the differences between them, Christianity is unique in it is not a religion based on what you need to do to be good enough to win God's favor. And so that's a, this is a major difference. And so he comes, and, he, and he's asking himself the question, you know what, I, I'm really trying, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a really good person, and, and I, and, but, but, but it seems like maybe there's something missing. What more do I need to do to inherit eternal life? And so what if, again, good enough isn't good enough? And this guy comes to Jesus, and he's, he's kind of racked with that question. What if good enough? is not good enough. And Jesus kind of responds, and it says in verse 18, and Jesus says to him, well, well why do you call me good? Because he'd come up and he said, hey, good teacher. He had bowed before him. And Jesus goes on to say, no one is good except God alone. And so Jesus' first kind of response as he kind of is getting into this conversation with this guy is to clarify some things with him so that he, he kind of has some foundational things that he's understanding because he's identified Jesus as a good teacher. And Jesus reminds him that no one is good, actually, except God alone. In other words, kind of the starting point of what he's wanting this guy to understand is, yeah, you are correct in calling me good, but you need to know that it's only God who's good. And only God who's good enough. And he's basically reminding him that, that who he's talking to. And, and you're not just talking to a teacher here. He, he, he's kind of subtly reminding him uh, that he is the son of God. That he is God. We know when we look at Jesus' story. That the story of Jesus is the story of, of God sending his son to come into this world in the flesh. This is Palm Sunday. We, we celebrate this day that Christ comes into Jerusalem. It was a day that uh, we see that in a, in a physical way. He's coming into Jerusalem. He had a task. He had a purpose in coming to this world. And we see that, that, that Jesus was sent by God and he walked on this earth 
among us. He became like us. He, he was tempted like us. And in, 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 in scriptures, we see him tempted, and yet he was sinless. He was the only person that has ever walked. He's the only person that will ever walk on this earth and live on, in, this, in this earth and be tempted like that we are all tempted, and yet he was sinless, perfectly sinless. And so he, yes, he is the good teacher. He is the good God. He is the son of the living God. And Jesus knows this guy's heart. He's, again, trying to kind of help him understand who he's really talking to. And so he's kind of established that. And he knows that this guy, I mean, in comparison to a lot of guys, he is a good guy. He's a rich young ruler kind of guy. He's a, he, he's a good guy. He's got a, he's got a you know, compared to most, you know, or maybe even better than most, he's a, he's a good guy. But again, the question, is good enough good enough? Because that's the question that was really eating at him. Yeah, I'm a good guy, but, but is that good enough? What more do I need to do? What do I need to do? What, what, how can I work out this, this salvation? How can I connect with God? Because is good enough, good enough? And here's what Jesus says as he goes on. In verse 19, he says, well, you know the commandments. Don't murder, don't commit adultery, don't steal, don't bear false witness, uh, don't defraud, honor your father and mother. And he said to him, and, this is, and the guy replies back, the rich young ruler replies back, yeah, uh, absolutely, all of these I've kept from my youth. So Jesus said, kind of thrown out part of what we call the Ten Commandments. Maybe if you've been around the church a while, maybe at some point if you were in a class as a child or something, or maybe we've got some kids with us this weekend as we worship as a family weekend, and maybe there's some kids in here that could stand up and, and give us the Ten Commandments because maybe you memorize those. And here's Jesus who, who's kind of giving him, not all of them, but he kind of gives him the ones, and if you notice, they're the ones that kind of are kind of the interpersonal relationship kind of uh, Ten Commandments. And so this rich young guy is given the commandments by Jesus, kind of reminded of these commandments, and he kind of, hey, you kept these. And, and, and probably the ones that, if he's a rich, young, ruler kind of guy, were probably the ones he would have struggled with the most. I mean, struggle with not defrauding people, not bearing false witness, not stealing, not exploiting the poor, those kind of ideas. And so as a rich, young ruler... These might have been the ones he would have struggled with the most. And so these are the ones that Jesus asked him, well, how are you doing on that or with that? And when he's asked him, well, have you been good enough? What does the guy respond? He responds, well, yeah, I've kept all of those. Yeah, I'm good. I, since I was a kid, since, I, since my youth, I've, I, I've been okay with those. And so he's, kind of, let's get this, what, what, what's really going on? So here is, here is, here is Jesus. He's, he's the one that, that if, you, if you look at his teachings in, as a whole, he had, he had, he's the one that had taught, on the, if you remember the story of the Sermon on the Mount, where he, this great classic sermon, this teaching time. And, and on the Sermon on the Mount, what Jesus had really done, he had taken some of the commandments, some of the old commandments, and he had laid out the new, improved, steroid-enhanced versions of these commandments. And he, 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 he taught, he said, you've heard it said that you shouldn't murder. And he goes on to say, but, but I tell you, if you've been angry with your brother... Or if you've insulted your brother, or if you've called your brother, you said of your brother that he's a fool, 
Jesus said, you know, it doesn't matter if you've actually murdered him or not. You've already sinned in your heart and you're liable for judgment. He, he said uh, in, in kind of that same kind of teaching time, he said, you've heard it said you shouldn't commit adultery. He said, but I tell you, if you've looked after a woman and you've lusted after her in your heart, you've already committed that sin. And so again, Jesus takes these, these commandments that he kind of gives this guy, and he was the one that, that says, yeah, I'm taking it to a whole new level. They were hard enough to keep the Ten Commandments before. And Jesus, in his teaching, says, you know what? If you're really, if you want to get to God, if you want to get to heaven by being good enough, the standard is not even, it was really hard before, the standard is even more daunting than what you thought. And so he gives these, 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 these enhanced versions of these commandments. And where they were tough before, now they're on this impossible kind of level to all keep all the time. And this guy says to him, yep, I'm good. Yeah, I've kept those. What else you got for me? Kind of is the, is the message that he's giving. And so what Jesus is dealing with in this guy is a tragic sense in this guy of self-righteousness. And Jesus knew it. Jesus knew that this guy thought that he had been good enough. And that's why he said, maybe it was because he's, maybe he's comparing himself to other people. And he's thinking, you know, I'm a, I'm a really good guy, and, and we do that. You know, I'm a, I'm a good person. I, I look at the front of the tabloid magazines when I'm hanging out in the, in the checkout aisle. You know, I see the crazy lives some people live. And I, I'm, I, I live a better life than that. And, and I, I know the, my cube mate or my, uh, my, uh, the person in the little cubicle kind of thing at work that's next to me. And their life is one drama after another. And they're all the time going out and doing crazy stuff. And I know my life is better and different than theirs. And so I'm better than them. So I'm surely good enough. And that's what this guy was banking on. That he was living good enough. But again, whose standard was he operating with? Had he been, had he been living his life good enough to God's standards or to his own standards. And that's really important by whose standard. When we think about, well, I, I'm surely I'm good enough and so that'll get me into heaven. Well, whose standard are you living with? Are you trying to compare yourself to other people or, or, or where does that standard come from? Because here's what God says. It's probably pretty important on this subject. If this is how we're thinking about getting connected with God and, and eternity, this is a pretty important subject. So we probably should think about what God has to say about it. And here's what God says about this good enough kind of thing. What does it look like to live good enough? And this is what James chapter 2, verse 10 says. For whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become accountable for all of it. For he who said, do not commit adultery also said, do not murder. And if you do not commit adultery, but you do murder, you had become a transgressor of the whole law. Now I want you to go back and remember what Jesus said? Remember the souped up steroid enhanced versions of these commandments? Remember what he said? If you have, if you have wished someone dead, if you have been angry with someone, if you have called someone a fool, and I don't, I, is there anybody here or at Bit Nights or anybody has, that has never ever got so angry with someone that you, that you thought of them? You fool. Some of you on the way home tonight, this weekend, will say those very words or some, some variation thereof will come out of your mouth as you're driving home probably. As somebody cuts you off or whatever. Have any of us lived up to that standard of good enough? 
And this guy was thinking, well, well, I think I've lived good enough. And this is Jesus' reply. Look at what he says in verse 21. And so Jesus looked at him, and he loves him. And he said this to him. And he said this to him because he loved him. And he said this, you lack one thing. Go sell all that you have and give to the poor. And you'll have treasure in heaven and then come and come follow me. And disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. So Jesus looks at this good guy. This, this, he, and there's nothing wrong with being good. It's good to be good. But, but he looks at this good guy and the good guy thought that he was good enough and that good enough was good enough to get into heaven. And they, he thought that that was what it was all about. And Jesus loves him too much to let him continue to think like that because he was self-righteous and he thought he was good enough. And so Jesus says, well, how about this? Why don't you go? You think you, you're, you're saying that because the law is summed up by love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. And so Jesus says, okay, well, try this one on for size. You, if you just do this one thing, why don't you go and why don't you take? Because he knew. He knew the, the place where the, guy, where the guy's heart was. And Jesus knows where all of our hearts are. And so he says to him, why don't you go and take your stuff and sell it all and give it to the poor? Not that giving everything that we have and selling everything we have and giving it to the poor, that that's the way that any of us get to heaven. That's not it. What Jesus is saying is, you are self-righteous. You think you're all that. You think you've been good enough. But he knew that this was a hang-up for this guy. And so he says, go sell everything. As we think about what Jesus was saying to him, he was saying, you know what? You have not loved your brother as yourself, and you're not willing to love your brother as yourself and to give till it hurts. And he knew that. He knew that the point from which he could really drive it home was with his wallet. To go and sell and give everything and then come follow. And so he challenges this notion, this idea that this guy has that good enough is good enough. And so what was his reply? Because he was hoping that, that when, when Jesus says, what do I need to do to have eternal life? He was going to say, oh my, you, you, oh yes, you are, you're great, rich, young ruler guy. You, you're doing a great job. Yeah, I know, you, you really work hard to try to be a good person and you're fine. Jesus loved him too much to let him walk away thinking that his good enough was good enough. And so, what about us? What, what, as we come in and we think, you know, we're pretty good people and we think that we're probably maybe living in, in, in good enough and we kind of have bought into that idea, well, if I'm just good enough, then I'll get into heaven and I can connect with God if I'm just good enough. Well, so what's the, what's the point of that? Jesus was here today and where's the point that he would drive home to us? And maybe it's not money. Maybe it's not our wallet because you would, you would, you'd be willing to go and give whatever you have to somebody. That's not the point where, where you would struggle. But maybe your self-righteousness comes in some other area. Maybe it's in your relationships or maybe it's some attitude that you have toward other races when you watch the news and you watch what's going on and you get all fired up and you say things you would never say to someone in person that you say it to the tv or maybe it's, maybe it's that, that point, that this attitude you have about certain sins that you've categorized as, as worse than other sins. And so when that sin comes up and you see it in the news, you see it on the newspaper, you see it in someone's life or whatever, you get all jazzed up on the inside. And, and if Jesus were here, he would point out that hypocrisy. Or maybe it's your temper. Or maybe it's the way that you gossip, but you don't call it gossip. 
And so you're good enough, really, because Jesus knows. And if he were here, he would help you to see it. And I think he's helping you to see it as we talk this weekend. And he's helping us to understand that good enough maybe is not good enough. And so let's just kind of summarize real quick what Jesus is teaching us through this story. First, no one will reach God by being good. Jesus, uh, there's a story of him in an interaction with another guy in Luke 10, verse 27. And in Luke 10, this guy comes up to Jesus. He's a, he's a lawyer, kind of real knowledgeable guy. And he comes up and he asks Jesus the, basically the same exact question. What do I need to do to inherit eternal life? And he's looking, again, for what do I need to, uh, you know, how, what's good enough? What, what do I need to do? And Jesus points him to the law. And he says, this is his reaction. He says, well, uh, and he does a really good job summarizing the law. And he says, oh, you mean the law? You mean to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And you mean to love your neighbor as yourself. Is that what you're talking about? That law, that law that, that, I, that I work really hard to keep? And Jesus says, yeah, that law. And then, as we think about that law, that law that if we can keep it, and what Jesus is saying is, if you can keep that law and you can keep it perfectly, then you can connect with God and you can get into heaven. And, and that guy thinks, well, you know what, I'm, I'm doing pretty good then. But Jesus sees in him, like he saw in this rich young ruler, then in his heart he was still missing the mark. And that's when he tells him the story of the Good Samaritan. And he says, oh, yeah, that, that idea of loving your neighbors yourself. Well, let me tell you a story where there's this guy, and, 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 he, and he's walking along in the middle of nowhere, and he, uh, he falls along, there's some robbers, and they come, uh, and they beat him up and leave him for dead. And there are these, these people, these real religious kind of people, kind of like you, that stop, and they, don't, they, or they won't stop, and they kind of walk past him, and another group of people like that walk past him. And then there is this Samaritan. And the guy was perplexed by that story. And the end of the story, Jesus tells him, yeah, you go live likewise. You live like that. Which was totally messing him up, just like this rich young ruler was totally messed up by what Jesus says to him. Because both of them, what he's saying is, good enough is not good enough. And no one will ever reach God by being good. Jesus kind of summarizes it in Matthew 5, verse 48. Remember that Sermon on the Mount where he kind of lays out those steroid-enhanced commandments, and he, he says this, You therefore must be perfect, as your heavenly Father is perfect. That's a pretty high standard. Romans 3, 23 says, For all of sin and fall short of the glory of God. Romans 3, 10 says, No, none is righteous, no, not one. As we think about this idea, is my good enough good enough? No one will come to God or connect with God or get to heaven by being good enough. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And then Romans 3.20, and this is just a little cursory summary of just a few. But Romans 3.20 says, For by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight, since through the law comes knowledge of sin. The law and all these commandments just help us to see when we've messed up and help us to see that we've, we've not met the standard and we've not been good enough. And so did you catch what Romans says? No one could ever be good enough. 
We'd have to keep the entire law. And Jesus is the only one that's ever kept the entire law and has, has lived perfect. He's the only one. And we all know that we're not going to live that way. It's just not going to happen. This is, we're not capable of that. 1 John 1.8 says, If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. And that's why Jesus loved these guys. And, he, and, and they come to him and they're self-righteous and they're on their spiritual high horses. And they think, well, I, I've been living good enough. But they're, and, and Jesus is trying to help them as he try, is trying to help us this weekend to understand that good enough is not good enough. And if we think our good enough is good enough, then as First as John says, we're deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. And I just want to, this kind of, since we're kind of shattering some things, let's kind of throw the nuclear bomb here in the good enough theology. And let's see what Jesus, what else he says. And Jesus says this through this story, a parable. He tells a story about these two guys that go to church and they pray. And he says there's this one guy and he's a Pharisee. And Pharisees, if they did anything well, it was being good. I mean, they were professional do-gooders. I mean, they made list after list of what it looked like to live good. They tried as, as best they could to live good lives. And so it says this one guy was a Pharisee. The other guy was a tax collector. And this Pharisee goes into the temple, and he stands in the middle of everybody, and he prays his prayer, he lifts his head toward God, and he says these words. And I just kind of kind of paraphrase it. He, he thanks God um, uh, that he's not like other men. And he kind of begins to rattle off. God, I I thank you that I live different than other people. I thank you that I'm not like the robbers or I'm not like the evildoers and I'm not like the adulterers. I'm not like even those tax collectors. Imagine him looking over at this guy with his head hung low on kind of the outskirts of where everyone's worshiping there in the temple. This guy kind of off to himself. This other guy that Jesus tells has come into the temple area. And he goes on, and, and he, he's praying, and he's, and he's talking about how good he is, and, 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 and he's a good guy. He's a, he, he's a good husband. He's a, he's a good business guy. He's a good father. He, he's a, he, he pays, he's, he talks about, you know, I pay my tithe. He, he prays that. He talks about that. I fast regularly. He, he does all these things. He's probably the chairman of the board at the temple. He's a really good guy. And Jesus never disputes the fact that he's a really good guy. And then he says, there's another guy that comes to the temple. It's that tax collector. And he says, the tax collector, he's not like the, he's not like the really good guy. He's not like the Pharisee that stands in front of everybody and prays these prayers and, and talks about how good, he's, good, he, good he is. But there's this other guy, and he, he's a tax collector. And it says that he goes off in a corner, off away from everybody. And he says that it, the guy can't even, he's so broken about his own sinfulness that he can't even look to heaven. But he beats his chest, and he cries out to God for mercy. For his sins. And Jesus asked this very simple question. Who went home justified before God? Was it the self-righteous guy? The guy that, that lived that was the really good guy? Or was it the sinner guy that realized that he was a sinner. And beat his chest and cried out to God for forgiveness. And Jesus, what he was saying is. That it was the sinner that recognized that he was a sinner that went home justified. So the nuclear bomb that, that comes into the theology of being good is good enough is that Jesus taught us that, being, that good people don't necessarily go to heaven. 
good people don't go to heaven necessarily. And it wasn't that this, it wasn't the good guy that, that goes home justified because of what he has done. Again, it's the guy that, that recognizes sinfulness and recognizes the good guy needed to recognize, there's nothing wrong with being good, we should be good. But that doesn't get us into heaven, it doesn't get us connected with God, we should be good. But not so we're trying to earn God's favor, but because God has done so much for us and Jesus died for us. And so I want to live my life in response to that. But I don't stand before God justified because and right because I'm good. So Jesus taught that good people don't necessarily go to heaven. The Pharisee was sinful and he had this I can be good enough philosophy because I'm better than the tax collector. I'm better than the robber. I'm better than the evildoer. I'm better than the adulterer. But he was still a sinner and he still needed salvation. Matthew 5, verse 20 says, For I tell you, unless, this is Jesus talking, he said, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, the professional do-gooders, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. So being good enough will never be good enough. And then the last thing that we see about being good, one is Jesus taught that good people don't necessarily go to heaven, and then this bombshell announcement as well, that bad people can go to heaven. Now, there ought to be some people that just kind of get really excited about that that are in here this weekend, because that's great news, and there's freedom in that. Do you remember Jesus on the cross? Jesus on the cross, he's between two thieves, and he's, he's on the cross, and the one thief that they were kind of making fun of at first, and then uh, Jesus says, says some things, and then the guy kind of wakes up to who Jesus is, and, and, and the one guy is making more fun of Jesus, and the other guy says, hey, this guy hasn't done anything wrong. Do you Stop talking to him like that, basically. And then he turns to Jesus, and he says, will you remember me when you get to your kingdom, when you come into your kingdom, when you go to paradise and get to heaven, will you remember me, basically is what he's saying. And it says that Jesus tells that guy on the cross, that thief on the cross, yes, you will be with me in paradise. And he doesn't get to heaven. He doesn't end up in paradise because of the string of good deeds that he does prior to getting there. He has none of them. No good deed is he ever able to do except to acknowledge who Jesus is in that moment. And it reminds us that even bad people, because these thieves were not there because they were just, uh, just because. They were there because they were notorious sinners. They had broken every law in the book and they were there because they deserved it. They recognized that they deserved it and they were there. And yet bad people, because of Jesus, can go to heaven. And again, that should be great news to us. And let me, real quick, here's the final kind of couple thoughts. As we think about this theology, so what's the Christian, Christianity's response to this good people theology, good enough theology, and it's this, that God's not fair. God's not fair. In this whole kind of thing, God's not fair. We do not get what we deserve because what we deserve because of the way we've lived, we've all turned our back on, on God. We all have, have earned death. We've all, we, we should pay for it ourselves, but, but God doesn't give us what we deserve we, unless we decide that, unless we turn our back on him and turn our back on what Christ has done. Uh, God was not fair with Jesus either. 
Because Jesus did not deserve to be on the cross. He didn't deserve to die for our sins. And so when he's on the cross, he's not getting, it's not fair for him either. And so, friends, we ought to be excited that none of this is fair. We do not want fairness when it comes to all of this. Because, because we think about, we're thinking about good enough because we think good enough is that seems fair to us. But it's, it's not fair. Christianity's response is that God is not fair. And again, we should thank Jesus that it's not fair. That he takes upon himself what we deserve. And the last thing, the last thing, which is the Christian's response to this idea of good enough is good enough, is that forgiven people go to heaven. That's good news. Not good people go to heaven, but forgiven people go to heaven. John 3, 16 and 17, this classic text For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Working to be good enough and buying into that theology is the height of self-deception. We will not, we cannot, we could not ever be good enough. And so here's the good news. God decided to not give up on us. And he decided to not give us what we deserve. And that's mercy. And the other thing, he decided instead to give us exactly what we don't deserve. And that's grace. And that's grace. And so here's our response to this whole thing should be this. 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So I just want to call you this weekend to give up on being good. You don't have to be good enough to get in. You need to fall on, on, the, on the grace and the mercy of, of, of God through the person of Jesus Christ to, to, to confess your sins, to repent of that, and to accept his forgiveness by grace. You don't want fair. You want forgiveness. Heavenly Father, God, I thank you for this earth-shattering truth in our world and in our lives. That Jesus Christ came to bring to this world not fairness, but forgiveness. And I pray, Father, that you would help us to embrace not trying to live our lives, trying to work good to the point where we can work and be good enough and hopefully that it's fair and we get what we deserve. But God, we don't want that. God, I pray, Father, you help us to recognize that we just give up on that system and instead embrace the grace, the mercy that is ours through Jesus Christ. And so right now we're going to sing a few more songs. And as we do that, as we have time to respond, we want to give our hearts and our lives to your Son. Jesus Christ, and repent and accept the forgiveness and the grace that is ours through Jesus. For it's his name that we pray. Amen. And so as we sing these next songs, I just want to invite you to accept the grace that is yours through the person of Jesus Christ. Not, it's not fair, but will you accept that grace as we sing these next songs? I want you to think about that. Talk to God and ask him for that grace that is yours as a gift this weekend.